Tonight on the West Coast Gospel Hour, it's Friday Night Prophecy, where we discuss the news events of the week and how they relate to Bible prophecy. I'll be joined by my co-host and partner, Ayo, from Amitsu Study. That's next, here on the West Coast Gospel Hour. So stay tuned. Hey, how's everyone doing tonight? Uh, we're going to get started in just a moment as uh, my partner joins me and... Uh, we're going to get right into it. I hope you've had a great week. And we want to invite so many of you uh, who have been having us in prayer, my family in prayer during these difficult times that we're uh, going through. Um, I just want to say thank you so much and um, continue to pray for us. Uh, pray for my mom. Uh, she's a little bit better. And I uh, just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, the prayers that you have, have given us as we have um, been going through what is uh, really a tough time right now um, in her health and and other things that are going on. So thank you for keeping us in your prayers. We really do appreciate it. But tonight, it's Friday Night Prophecy, and uh, my co-host and partner, Ayo, will be joining us in just a second. And... Uh, Thank you all uh, once again for your prayers. And there he is, Io. Bring you on. How's your week been going, Io? Hello, everyone. It's been going well. Uh, very busy with work. Um, things calming down at home in terms of housework and then remodeling and stuff, but things picking up at work. But that's, I mean, that's a good thing. I uh, want to be busy at work in a good way. So yeah, can't, can't complain at all. Yeah. So uh, what do you have in a remodel? Oh, we got new sidings, new windows, a new garage. So our house is like almost 40 years old. So we changed a lot of new stuff. We recently got a new deck earlier this year as well. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff. Well, that's awesome. Uh, you know, that's quite important, especially where you are in Minnesota. I mean, you've got to get those windows up to code and so you don't shiver uh, and uh, freeze your your uh, high knees off, right? <laughs> that's right. Uh, Jan Markell calls us the frozen chosen. So, yeah, <laughs> Minnesota. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Awesome to hear. Well, um, why don't you lead us in prayer and we will get started. Yeah, sounds good. I will. Uh, Father, we just thank you uh, for uh, another week that you've um, just got us through, Lord. We thank you for bringing us all here. Uh, we know that we cannot take a single breath that we have a single day for granted. So we just thank you for that breath, for um, every day that you give us, Lord. We thank you for everything you've brought us through. Uh, many of us are facing difficulties right now, Lord. So just ask for your strength uh, through those difficulties. We ask um, just for continued encouragement from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we ask uh, that you increase our faith during these challenging times, Lord. And I just pray that tonight that you use Brother Stefan and I through the leading of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to further encourage fellow believers concerning the soon return of your Lord. Because as we talk about this news, ultimately, we want it to point to Jesus' soon return. So may you do that uh, through us tonight, Lord. And we also ask that you use this news to also point non-believers to the gospel, to their need. Uh, to uh, come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. So uh, um, why don't you get us started um, on the news events of the week, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, to just start off with here, I want to start with Christian persecution. That's something that uh, I don't think we've been really talking about too much recently. Um, but I mean, obviously, Christian persecution is still going on um, around the world, whether we talk about it or not. Um, for the last week, uh, June 5th, you guys probably have heard by now, but in Nigeria, there's actually an attack on worshipers, Christian worshipers, um, by uh, radical Muslims that killed 50 worshipers in Nigeria. You guys know, uh, some of you guys know I'm Nigerian. I was born there, lived in the U.S. for uh, 20 plus years now. Um, but I mean, Nigeria, the Christian persecution there right now is against a level where it's being recognized as Christian genocide. So that's getting that bad. Um, but CBN News reports here. Vile satanic attack. Gunmen kill at least at least 50 worshipers and children at church on Pentecost Sunday in Nigeria. 
Uh, this article just says at least 50 people, many of them children, are feared dead after gunmen shot at worshippers and detonated explosives at a church in southwestern Nigeria in a Pentecost Sunday um, service. So just terrible. Um, the the radical Islamic group there, I believe Boko Haram, just does terrible attacks. I don't know if this is what Boko Haram did, but Boko Haram is very prominent there. There's the Fulani herdsman. The president is Muslim. He doesn't do anything. Um, so it's it's just a growing situation in Nigeria. Obviously, we have brothers and sisters in China, Iran, North Korea. I mean, Sudan. We can we can just keep listing off. Right? Even in the West here, um, here in the U.S., we're seeing increased persecution. Maybe on not this extent, but we're seeing increased persecution, increased hostility. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, Canada, we saw a lot of that during COVID, where pastors would they would have helicopters surrounding church gatherings at that time to arrest pastors. We saw all of that during COVID. So we're seeing this increased hostility um, all over the world. And we just need to keep those brothers and sisters in prayer. Now this fits into follow prophecy. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about um, anti-Semitism, how that's going to increase and explode in the tribulation, right? So if we're seeing a rise of that, it should show us the signs of the tribulation. Likewise, Christian persecution is going to be a thing crazy amounts of Christian persecution during a tribulation. And where we see this, where I'd like to go to point this out, is Revelation 6, verses 9-11, in the fifth seal of the cry of the martyrs. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar of the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, unto you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer to both the number of their fellow servants and brethren, who will be killed as they were completed. In Revelation 7 here, I'm not going to read it all, um, but specifically I think 9 to 17, we see this great multitude that comes out of tribulation. John sees this. He asks one of the elders. Um, he says, uh, verse 13, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these red and white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know, and the white elder or the elder responds to John in verse 14 saying, so he said to me, these are the ones who come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they're before the throne of God and serve from day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. So we see a picture of what scripture tells us that, hey, yeah, there'll be many people who are left behind after the rapture. But thankfully, um, it's not all hope is not lost. God will still be doing work during that time. People will be saved. But people that are saved during that time will most likely lose their lives. And this great tribulation we see here, great, uh, um, great multitude rather, is a picture of that. So Christian persecution will increase. We're seeing signs of that right now pointing to the tribulation. Um, but right now, as we see this, we should pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ as we see these things happening. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing it in, in all sorts of subtle places. Even in England, for example, which is actually a, a Christian nation. I mean, it's part of their laws of their land. For the first time ever, um, homeschooling is going to be under attack. There's actually a bill to ban it um, in the House of Lords in England. And so uh, this is a major thing. Harbinger Daily talked about this. Um, and it's, it's a serious issue because what it is is taking away more and more Christian rights. And this is exactly what the World Economic Forum talked about. Um, they want to take away your rights, okay? Your property rights, your individual rights, your vaccine rights, you know, not to take a vaccine. They want to take it all away. They want to subjugate you to a one-world government. And more and more, I, I'm, I'm really leaning towards that the World Economic Forum is, is really one of these voices that is probably one of the 10 kings uh, that is out there, that it is... Um, without a nation, without a border, um, but it is one of the the proxies of the Antichrist that gives that he gives power to, and we're seeing that more and more. We're going to see a lot more of it come from a religious aspect of it, an economic aspect of it, um, and we're going to we're going to see it then through the military aspect of it as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before I move on here, I have another article pertaining to Christian persecution. Uh, because we read this article again, we, we think about, you know, faraway places, right? You think about this happened in Nigeria. You think of Iran, North Korea. Uh, but, I mean, as we've talked about, bro,
we didn't capitalize. So uh, as I was talking about here, we just got a, a moment where he, we lost him there for a second. Are you back on? Oh, yeah. Can you guys hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So I was just saying that, you know, as we're looking at these articles concerning Christian persecution, we might think that, oh, it's, you know, super far away. This is about, you know, Nigeria. Yeah, it's terrible, but it, it doesn't really have anything to do with me, right? And I was just saying that, hey, last year, 2021, after the capital, you know, riot that happened, the, the, the capital event that happened, um, what mainstream media, what politicians and people were doing were said they use that, uh, use the subset of people that did that act and then said, well, where did this come from? This came from the Christians. This came from the Republicans. And they began, you know, saying that, well, these ideas come from Christianity. That's what we need to target. That's the problem. And we're still seeing that view. We saw articles of people saying that, hey, if you don't believe in evolution and you're a Christian, you're racist. We need to, you know, get that away. We need to, we need to stop that kind of thought process. If you believe literally in a global flood, you're racist. You're a conspiracy theorist. So we're seeing these ideas ramp up in the political system, in mainstream dialogue right now. So we might not be experiencing what brothers and sisters in Christ are experiencing in Nigeria, but we're seeing an increase in hostility here. And there's this article here from WND, news media giant words of rise of, quote, white Christian nationalism. And they use some pretty heart-hitting words um, concerning the dangers of, you know, supposed white Christian nationalism. And they just use that as a buzzword like anything else, right? Um, so just some excerpts here, kind of long, but I want to get into this because it's, it's really important concerning where things are headed. An Associated Press article on the influence of Christian nationalism on the twenty on the 2022 primary elections has confirmed the fears of many voices on the left who are calling for action. Lest the nation perish, they believe. If they don't do something about this, the nation will, be, will perish. So I'm not, I'm just reporting. I'm not saying we, we don't believe what they're saying, but this, these are literally their views. MSNBC host Joy Reid said via Twitter, she was glad to see the mainstream media begin to make it plain. Rather than trying to share code both sides of this, because Christian nationalism poses a very real threat to American national security and social co cohesion. Um, freelance writer David Bates tweeted, they will go after every office and see from the White House to school boards, city councils, even library boards. They will. They are. Pay attention. This is what fascism looks like in America in the 21st century. Get in the fight or forfeit. Um, Adrian Queen Martin, the Democratic Party chairman of Hood County, Texas, uh, he said, you can't compromise with people who view opposition as evil and believe they're on a mission from God. White Christian national nationalism has to be defeated. There is no middle ground. I'll repeat that. He says here, this is um, Adrian Quinn Martin, the Democratic Party chairman of Hood County, Texas. He says, you can't compromise with people who view opposition as evil and believe they're on a mission from God. White Christian nationalism has to be defeated. There is no middle ground. And there are many people who from the conservative side, we're basically saying that you guys straw man what Christians believe. That's not what Christians believe. Essentially, they're just saying that, hey, if you have normal biblical values, you're a danger, you're a threat. And just one of those quotes, and we'll continue on here, and I'll, and I'll ask your opinion on this. Uh, the article says, in contrast, author and radio host Ben Shapiro, who is Jewish, called the AP article the height of absurdity, which obviously it is. He says, apparently, if you believe in school prayer, American exceptionalism, traditional marriage, protecting lives unborn and biological sex, you might be a Christian nationalist. So, and that's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, in the article, they also state that, you know, Christian nationalism is kind of hard to define. So they can't even define it for us. But if you hold any of these biblical conservative views, they'll essentially land you into the Christian nationalist thought, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not white, but I'm sure I fit into white Christian nationalism, right? So it's just, it's just crazy, these views. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, if they think that white Christian nationalism is a danger, wait till they get a hold of black Christian nationalism <laughs> and Hispanic Christian nationalism. Um, because then they're going to be, I mean, just completely outnumbered. Uh, because the majority of the church today, I hate to tell them this, it's not white. It's not. The majority of the church today in America, evangelical church, the pro-Trump church, it's mostly black and Hispanic. And a uh, very small percentage of it is actually white. Uh, the growing aspects of it uh, in poll after poll that I'm seeing in the recent months is demonstrating that. Even the church I go to, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, 
uh, yeah, the pastor's white, but the associate pastor is black. The other one is Hispanic. Um, the majority of the congregation is Hispanic. Um, it's, it, 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 it's, it's absurd to put race on Christianity when yeah. Christianity is about going to all nations yeah. of every tribe of every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah, right. And so the absurdity of this argument is that they're trying to make it about race when Christianity is the most anti-racist faith in the world, yeah. because it's for all tribes of all people throughout the whole world. Yeah. And so, if they want to come after me and say it's about white, I'm really not offended by that. I mean, I don't like it. Yeah, I, I will admit that. But it's it it's the same arguments that were being made centuries ago by Nero. You know, Christians are the problem. And so he burned down half of Rome in order to put Christians to death. And and everyone knew it was Nero that did it. Nero was the one that caused the fire not the Christians, but it was one of the greatest periods of, of um, torture and brutality against the Christian faith that took place. The only one that uh, probably outdid it was, uh, uh, I can never pronounce the name, but Dionysius, um, I believe Emperor Dionysius, who was the engineer, he was actually an engineer right around 300. Um, he was also crazy. Uh, and uh, he was actually far more successful than Nero was in wiping out Christianity in the empire. Um, and so the effects of his persecution are actually still felt today in many countries. Yeah, so that's crazy. But we just, you know, bring the article to you, not to, not to scare you guys, not to say, you know, the government's coming after us tomorrow, but just to show you a picture of that, hey, uh, there's a growing hostility even here in the U.S. and the West, we're seeing it. Um, that don't get too comfortable. We're going to be the minority increasingly. It is a time to grow close to the Lord, uh, seek him and get ready for what may come uh, ahead because that's the general thought process there. We're just jumping to another category here. Um, technology, specifically transhumanism, because we've seen the World Economic Forum champion this. Um, again, transhumanism and, and merging man with technology. This used to be a conspiracy theory, a crazy topic like 10 years ago, but now uh, like much of what we talk about, like UFOs and things like that, um, it's becoming mainstream. This is from The Guardian. Uh, and listen to this quote, and uh, I mean, headline, and then listen to what I'm gonna say here, because it's just, they're just, they're not even hiding it. Uh, it says, again, The Guardian, uh, beyond our eight brain meat sacks, can transhumanism save our species? Uh, aging cured, death conquered, work ended, the human brain reverse engineered by AI, babies born out of the womb, virtual children, we'll get into that later non-human partners the future of humanity could be virtually unrecognizable by the 20 by the end of the 20th century uh thank god that we're not going to be here uh as we are by the end of the 20th, by the end of the 20th century lord willing uh transhumanism is a movement that aims to address or end what um people call the tragedy of reality which is aging sickness and voluntary death uh it is a philosophy and a project that aims to make us more than human whether we recognize or understand it, that project has already begun, they're saying, and it will transform our world and minds and bodies within our lifetimes. Not only is it happening, but this transition is necessary if humanity survives perpetuity. It is no great st stretch to think that AI will become the most powerful intellectual force of the century, that human consciousnesses might be transferred from our meat sacks into technological sphere, the rise of AI and automation might render great swaths of human labor redundant, and that maybe if we get it right, that could leave more time for leisure, big thinking, meditation, correction. Last thing here, experiments already underway in their own artificial wombs, and Bohan is sure when viable, women will be clamoring to be freed from the shackles of pregnancy, childbirth, and breastfeeding. So I mean, I just touched on a lot of stuff there. You talk about aging, uh, they're trying to avoid death, sickness. Uh, they're talking about AI becoming you know, this big force in the world. Merging with man and technology, transferring our brains into uh, technology, or like the cloud, the woman, and artificial wombs. So these kind of ideas, as crazy as they seem, uh, they're they're coming from mainstream news now. They're not only saying that. They're not only just like playing with these ideas or thinking about these ideas. They're like 
having these articles out by people who are saying that this is necessary. This is the next step of human evolution. And it's not just coming, it's already happening. Um, so that's really crazy. Um, it's just, in my opinion, just a lie back from the Garden of Eden, just repackaged that Satan told Eve that, hey, uh, did God really say, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like gods. So this is like, you'll be like gods. That's the same lie. You won't die. Did God really say that? You can you can circumvent death. You can become your own gods, achieve God-like powers and things like this through technology, which is a lie, which is a complete lie. No, absolutely. And, you know, um, we talked about this earlier tonight as we were preparing for this. I, I wanted to bring up a verse from um, the book of Revelation, chapter mm -hmm. 16, verse 13. Yeah. And it, it, it says the following, and I'm going to read from it. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, which means Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, which is the representation of the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, which we believe is the religious system uh, used to control um, the uh, everyone. And then, um, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And then Jesus says, and I love this in verse 15, he says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walks naked and they see his shame. This is so important because Jesus is telling us to keep our garments clean by walking righteously before the Lord with a heart of repentance. This is probably one of the biggest attacks that is going on in the church today is the idea of not believing in repentance, arguing against repentance. Uh, you can you know, go online for 20 minutes and you're going to hear someone argue and, and say, we shouldn't repent. But on the contrary, God is telling us, go keep your garments clean by repenting, by um, coming before the Lord and acknowledging your sin before him. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. First uh, uh, John 1, 9 says, faithful and just. And so we need to keep that in that perspective there um, because we're going to be enduring demonic spirits. And I, and I love the the idea of what John is using here in verse 13 when he says, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of their mouth, like a plague coming on the world from these leaders, right, to their kings and from the kings to the world, right? And the, the frogs in ancient Egypt, um, which is very interesting that God used it as a uh, plague against them, but the frogs were representation of uh, fertility, um, sexual power, um, conduct, uh, promiscuity, uh, sexual perversion. Um, and that was very common among the, the gods of Egypt. And so it really represents exactly what you're talking about. And it goes into a lot more. I think um, we're going to be dealing with Pride Month, um, the sexual perversion of what's going on this month. But other things, uh, children being attacked, and, and um, I think a lot of the, the gun violence right now that's going on is another attack that's happened that we kind of let happen in the church through video games and um, Japanese animation and some of the violent shows that are out there. And then the other thing we have, and I, and I agree with what you're saying too, uh, concerning just where we are in society today and and kind of um, your take of what you're saying concerning Revelation 16 and what's going to be happening in the future there. I'm just going to move on uh, to a different uh, topic here. Another post concerning technology and what's going on. Um, it's just a, it's kind of just so contradictory here. So New York Post will have virtual babies within 50 years, the expert predicts. And I say it's, it's contradictory and it's uh, ironic because right now, you know, people are so angry and, and revolting and, and literally attacking and committing terrorist acts against um, pregnancy centers due to a possible Roe v. Wade situation being overturned. Um, we want, you know, these people want to continue murdering children essentially. 
And now we're even getting to the point where people are saying that, yeah, you know, we can have quote unquote abortions after the child is born. That's, that's not abortion, that's murder. Um, but yet we have this mindset of, well, we'll have virtual babies. So it's like, wait, do we want children or not? We don't want real children, we want virtual children. Um, so it's just the, the insanity of our world. Um, and this goes together with the metaverse as well. But I'll read some of this. Uh, the New York Post article says, in the not so distant future, those looking to expand their families may opt to do so with the help of artificial intelligence. Virtual children, some experts believe, could supplement real ones, becoming commonplace by the early 2070s. Um, virtual children may seem like a giant leap from where we are now, but within 50 years, technology will have advanced to such an extent that babies which exist in the metaverse are indistinct from those in the real world. And the article, I'm not going to read uh, the rest of it, but it just kind of goes on to say, hey, you can, you know, um, program your virtual baby to be this, and you can test it out. And, and if, if, you know, you, you could have it grow up as a real baby, or you could just have it be an 18-year-old automatically. And then if you're just tired of it, you can just delete it. Um, so yeah. it's, just, it's crazy. This is more of the deception. Um, fall for the fantasy. Don't go for what's real. And that's what the world has been doing. That's, in fact, that's what Satan has been doing since the Garden of Eden. He's been deluding people with the fantasy instead of the reality of what is around them. And, and this is why Adam and Eve fell, because they bought into the fantasy of becoming like a god instead of believing that, wait a moment, we had it better than becoming like a god. We were walking with God. We were in the presence of God. Um, I think this is, you know... We see this issue throughout the world, but we even see it creep into the church, right? Um, we take communion, and the communion allows us to be in the presence of the Lord. It's supernatural. It's healing to our body. But we abuse that uh, among some belief systems within the church that say, well, no, it's better than that. You're actually eating Jesus, right? Um, transmutation. Uh, so, and, and it's... It's wrong. It's clearly wrong. Yes, the the view of, oh, it's representative of Christ, that's actually wrong too because it's supernatural and it allows us to be in the presence of the Lord. Um, and that's what communion is. L think about it, right? Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Communion is supernatural. It is being in the presence of the Lord. But it's not just a representation of what Christ did on the cross. That we go, oh, yeah, that's great. We remember it. It's more than that. And that's why people who, who abuse it, the supernatural aspects of it, are they become sick. And Paul warns us about that. So <clears throat> the reason I'm bringing that up is because there's so much deception going on. And Jesus warns us in the beginning of Matthew 24, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Look at, look at it. Look at and understand it. Whether it's the spiritual food of, of communion that Paul talks about that's supernatural in, in 1 Corinthians, or it's um, avoiding the indoctrination with your children through the media and through average television programs. Stop being deceived. Make a commitment to listen to the truth of God's word and avoid being deceived. Yeah, so moving on now to uh, the Middle East because there's a lot going on in the Middle East as usual. We usually focus on that. And right now we're seeing um, a more shakiness between the relationship between Russia and Israel. Uh, so as an example to that, uh, the Jerusalem Post reported that Russia condemns Israel over Damascus airstrikes. I mean, I'm sure a lot of guests follow like Amir and a lot of us, we post about the Damascus airstrikes. Um, that happens so frequently. Um, but Russia condemned that. So Russia condemned the Israeli airstrikes on Damascus International Airport on Friday. Uh, they said, we are compelled to reiterate that the ongoing Israeli shelling of the territory of the Syrian Arab Republic in violation of the basic norms of international law is absolutely unacceptable, they said. Uh, they continue, we strongly condemn, strongly condemn Israel's provocative attack on the most important object of the Syrian civilization infrastructure. And they end with this. 
we demand from the Israeli side to stop this vicious practice. Um, we've been seeing, I mean, as Rosefa and I've been talking about since the Ukraine war started, after uh, Israel started speaking against the invasion and the war, um, Russia has turned against Israel in some ways, in terms of the rhetoric, in terms of what they're saying. And this is just another outpouring of that, where they're now saying that, hey, what you're doing in Damascus, Syria, that's wrong. You can't do that. It's vicious. It's unacceptable. Stop it. Uh, we reported a few weeks ago how a um, Russian, I think, military ro launcher, a rocket, was actually shot by a Russian towards an Israeli uh, aircraft, a jet, for the first time. It didn't hit the jet, um, but it was for the first time ever. So it's like, whoa, that's, that's another big deal there. And why this is important is because of, you know, Ezekiel 38 that we always go to where Russia, Iran, Turkey, many other nations will go against Israel um, for economic gain in the future during the last days. So it's just interesting to see this deteriorating relationship between Israel and Russia when Russia is the leader of that coalition, coalition that will go against Israel in the future. And this is just continuing this uh, bad, essentially this breakdown of the relationship between Russia and Israel. Yeah, it is a it is a serious issue that's going on in there, um, but it's also coming because I think the United States is doing a lot to stab Israel in the back. Harbinger News reported that um, anti-Israel um, UN claims uh, that the Jewish state is to blame for Palestinians turning to terrorism, and this is actually not coming just from the United Nations. This is coming from the Biden administration which is blaming Israel um, for a lot of what's going on there. Um, and uh, it is a, uh, a serious thing that is dividing the world, but turning the world against Israel. And we need, as Christians, to pray for the peace of Israel, um, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, pray that the violence doesn't happen there, uh, and so that it would be a blessing to us. And I think that that is so important. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is important because, I mean, God is clear, and I believe Genesis 12 or 13, that, you know, when he talks to Abraham, promises Abraham that, hey, those who bless you all bless, those who curse you all curse, and there's no expiration date on that. He doesn't say in, you know, in Genesis 50 that, oh, you know, that, that's done, that was old news, I've stopped doing that. No, that continues. We've seen that throughout history, that all these nations, right, Assyria, uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, etc., that go against Israel, they end up on the trash heap of history. They're no longer sewer powers, world powers. But Israel yet stands, you know, as as a, a nation, and God has brought it back. So it's definitely important that we support, we elect, uh, we pray for people in our government who do support Israel. Because if we go against Israel, we're going against God, and that is a that is a big problem. Another thing here, uh, the Jerusalem Post, new U.S. bill brings together Abraham Accords signatories against Iran. Members of the Abraham Accords caucus in the, U in the House and Senate introduced on Thursday a bipartisan bill that would unite Middle East partners as global threats from Iran and Iranian-backed extremists continues to rise. Um, so the text specifically names the countries the Gulf Cooperation Council. These countries are Bahrain, UAE, uh, which are already part of the Abraham Accords. It also names Saudi Arabia, Oman, Qatar, and Kuwait, as well as Iraq, Jordan, Israel, and Egypt. So uh, it's just interesting that it names Saudi Arabia there because Saudi Arabia in Ezekiel 38 will be one of the nations that basically protests the invasion. And this Abraham Accords, what it's helping out, not only creating, or, or at least allegedly people are saying that it's helping to create a safer, more prosperous Israel in the Middle East, just like Ezekiel 38 says, will be in play during that time. But we're also seeing um, a coalition being formed of people who will support Israel against Iran. Now, what we see in Ezekiel 38 is that when this invasion comes against Israel, there will not be a nation that will support Israel. They won't fight against this invasion militarily. They'll just kind of be like, hey, you can't do that. What are you doing? Are you coming for a spoil? Um, so I believe that eventually what will happen is that there will be no nation that will support them. But still, we have to have some type of relationship there. These nations have to have some type of relationship with Israel before that happens, so that when it happens, they can say, hey, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's Israel, you know. And, and I believe the economic ties that these nations can have through something like the Abraham Accords 
could be something that um, uh, causes them to speak out against it because it'll harm them, right? If it harms Israel and they're benefiting from Israel's wealth and prosperity, it'll harm their wealth and prosperity. Absolutely. So I think that these are kind of precursors and send the stage to what Ezekiel 38 says will happen. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. What else do you have for us tonight? Yeah, About, there's uh, a lot. Well, we're halfway done tonight. Yeah, yeah. Time flies by. Um, more on, I think, um, what we haven't talked about in a while is just the food shortages. That's the thing, obviously. Um, there's an article here from the New York Post. Food shortages could be just as deadly as global pandemic, they say. Um, a leading global health figure has warned that the next worldwide health crisis could come in the form of food shortages as the price of basic supplies skyrockets in even the wealthiest nations. Uh, so they talk about that. Um, and, and we always go back to Revelation 6, 5 to 6, which is the, the third seal, scarcity on earth, to make that connection. We're not saying that this is the third seal. We're not saying we're in the tribulation. What we're saying is that this is a precursor, stand the stage, likely, for what the Bible says is coming. Because when you read these headlines, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like apocalyptic, and it's, it's biblical. It's, you know, it's, it's never seen before what's going to happen down the line. Um, so Revelation 6, 5 to 6 says, When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked and behold a black horse, and he was sounding in a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quarter of wheat for denarius, and three quarts of barley for denarius, and do not harm the wine. What's interesting is that we've just been hearing about wheat, wheat nonstop, you know, because Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, so to speak, um, exports a lot of wheat. Um, so that's a big deal. The Bible talks about wheat. So I don't think that's a coincidence that we're seeing a decrease in supply of wheat and an increase in the price there. And then CBN News, and I'll turn it over to you after this. They talk about this as well um, from the standpoint of preparing and the standpoint of biblical preparation. We've, we've done an episode about this as well, just to remind you guys, you guys can go back and check it out on the podcast about what it might look like to prepare for what's to come. And that's biblical. Um, if, if we do it in a way that the Bible outlines, not depending on ourselves, but being wise, following what the Bible says, and, you know, leaning on the Lord um, for supply, ultimately, and for his um, leading. So CBN News says, stock up on foods. Experts, ministers urge people to prepare for global pandemic or famine. Uh, as famines continue to rise and everything from gas to groceries, experts warn that food is going to be harder to come by months ahead, including America. Some say that the church can lead the way in helping people through the tough times. I think that's another reason to um, prepare, if, if not just for ourselves, but also brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Um, I feel like a lot of the times um, when we think about these things, it reminds me of how the first, the first century church acted. They gave financially, right, to each other. They gave mat materially right. to each other to help each other out. So we can also think about preparing for that reason, if not just for ourselves, but for other brothers and sisters in Christ, who may not be in a position to actually prepare for food right now. Um, and just to end this off here, uh, Pastor Joshua Giles of Kingdom Embassy Church in Minneapolis talked, uh, they just got a quote from him. I don't know anything about him. I'm not, it is not a blanket support, but I'm just referencing what he said in this article to just lead me to my next point. He said, I do believe that we can start to purchase certain things and store them up. I'm not encouraging people to panic buy at all, but what I'm saying, just use wisdom of God we read about Joseph in scripture, he endured one of the greatest famines in history and the Lord gave them strategies and insight on how to navigate that famine, but also how to thrive in the midst of it. And that's exactly what Brother Stefan and I talked about in our show when we talked about how to prepare. We, we looked the story on Joseph that, hey, it is biblical um, to store up for something that's coming ahead. Um, we see that in Joseph's story. So this isn't to scare you guys, not to cause you guys to panic, but it's to cause you guys to say, hey, something is likely going to happen. It's what they're saying. It's time to prepare now. So we just encourage you guys and, and you know, seek the Lord uh, as you do that as well. Yeah, you know, and, and, and this shortage is, is getting worse. I mean, I don't know how gas is out there, but um, today I was gassing up a vehicle and it was over $7 a gallon for regular. Um, it's just crazy high out yeah. here in California. Yeah. And then Cody brings up a great point. I think it was the economist that reported this that Cody's talking about, which is that uh, India recently said that due to drought, they have a 50% crop failure this season. Mm -hmm. um, and this mm -hmm. is one of the biggest countries in the world. And remember, we just talked about it probably uh, two months ago that China announced that they would, 
had a 25% shortage on their wheat um, because of crop failures. So 25% of the wheat doesn't exist in China this year because of the the failures that they've experienced. So there's China talking about it. There's India talking about it. There's the Ukraine not able to transport the food out. You have Egypt saying, we can't even find a country that can supply food to us, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Now we've got this huge inflation going on around the world affecting every single human being. Um, and it's, it's scary. Um, it's even going into things like formula, uh, trickling down into that. Um, some of the uh, non-dairy formulas um, are, are being affected this because they're not able to get the plants that they need to make the formula. So you're watching this happen in an epic scale, just as the Bible predicted. Um, we're not in the in the tribulation yet, but we're headed towards that breaking of the seals that is coming there. And God's kind of warning us. And you really need to look around and go, wait a moment, wait a moment. This is this is really bad. It's amazing how you talk to people and they all agree it's really bad. But none of them say, "Man, we need to turn to Jesus and cry out to Him and repent." Yeah, unfortunately, and you know, uh, just to piggyback off of that is it's amazing seeing um, people because everybody, I mean, unless unless you've been living on the rock for the past two two and a half years, everybody sees this going on. Right? Everybody's like, "What's happening?" You know, some non-believers are asking, you know, "Is it is it the end of the world?" And they don't really mean that, but that's they're just naturally saying, "Is, is this the end of the world?" What's going on? And I kind of just say that, say that, hey we have an amazing opportunity and that's why we you know bros and i you know talk about these things every friday these news articles point people to jesus we want you guys to think about these articles share them with people because this is an amazing opportunity to you know use those conversations use those statements non-believers make like oh my gosh this is the end of the world what's going on these are crazy times you can be like yeah these are crazy times the bible talks about these things you don't have to be afraid if you have jesus so it's like the Lord's given us an amazing opportunity. So I would encourage you guys that, you know, as you start off your day, pray, because um, you guys are, you know, passionate about Bible prophecy, you know about Bible prophecy, you know about what the Lord says is coming in the last days. So as you start off your day, just pray, Lord, give me an opportunity to use what's going on in the world, use these headlines to talk to someone, to share Jesus with someone. This is a great opportunity. And in terms of um, gas prices, because I know you said $7 is just crazy. Uh, here in Minnesota, it's like four seventy nine. Highest it's that I've ever seen it in, in my time of driving, which has been like I don't know five six years or so. But it's just I used to. I remember like 2018 or so. I used to be able to buy gas lowest, fill up my tank. I drive. I mean, I don't drive an SUV or anything, just a regular car. Forty dollars full. And now, I if I do fifty five dollars of gas, it only gets like three fourths the way. So I have to pay like sixty sixty five dollars now. So it's it's crazy just for four seventy nine. So I can't even imagine having to pay seven dollars. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? And if and if people in California could just realize, like every day, what the price of the pumps are outside of California, I think there would be mass rioting. I don't think a Democrat would win the election, to be honest with you, because it doesn't make any sense. We have more oil wells here in California than almost any other state, um, and yet we don't get to keep any of that oil. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really sad. And there now we're we're seeing stories about how gas stations, right, are, are changing their upgrading their numbers to allow for ten dollars of gas potentially. And that's not that's not conspiracy that they're actually doing that. People know this. So uh, that's what they're anticipating, which is insane. Um, yeah, so we could talk more about that, but it's just what's going on. But moving on here back to the uh, Middle East, third temple news specifically. Uh, because it's been in the news, if you guys know, um, for the past several months now. As well as five news, Kohanim recreate Shavuot service as the first step to reestablish temple operations. Uh, so the temple rituals mandated for the holy or for the holiday of Shavuot were recreated on Monday in Mitzvah Yeriko in preparation for the prophesied building of the third temple. So this is something they they do um, annually. Though carried out every year, this year took the ritual reenactment one step further. And another practical element intended to pave the way for a third temple. Um, so even though this happens annually, 
um, it's still very important, right? This isn't like, oh, surprise and shocking news. It's not like they just started this. Why we just bring this up is again, they're doing this in preparation for the third temple. So that enough is like, wow, it should make us not take for granted the biblical times we're living in, right? That Israel's back in the land, that there's a diet for the third temple, that people are like, hey, we need to change the status quo of the Temple Mount. Both religious people, uh, Jews, both um, the secular Jews, I, I touched on that last week. And then we're seeing temple sacrifices, uh, mock sacrifices put into place. We're seeing uh, the Temple Institute getting ready for the garments and the instruments and things like this. And they have the model for the third temple. And we were hearing a lot about the red heifer, right? They want a, a pure, undefiled red heifer without any gray hairs or anything like that. Because they'll need that for the cleansing of the nation and the temple to be in the sacrifices. Um, so they're preparing all those things. Um, and, and it's just amazing. We live in amazing times. And as we know, prophetically speaking, the third temple has to stand in Israel at least midway through the tribulation because the Antichrist will come in, stop the sacrifices. Daniel 9, 27 says, uh, Matthew 24, 15. He's going to stop the sacrifices, which will be known as the abomination desolation, and he will declare himself God. So that's why stories like this are significant because as it shows that, hey, these third temple preparations are ramping up. The mid-tribulation is getting closer, but we're out of here before the beginning of the tribulation. So how much closer is the rapture, right? Uh, so that should excite us as we, as we see these things happen. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I just want to say that, you know, everyone needs to look at their scriptures. They need to go to the Bible. They need to open up God's word. We talked about being deceived tonight. And if you want to avoid the deception of what's going on in the world, start reading your Bible. Jesus warned the Pharisees, hey, you error. You're in wrong because you don't know the scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. You see, the Pharisees didn't understand who Jesus was because they didn't study the scriptures. They stuck to oral tradition. Um, and today, a lot of people are going by oral tradition. Um, they're viewing the oral tradition as, as more important than the scripture itself. Io and I are here to tell you that the scripture is absolute. It's infallible. It is the word of God is the living, breathing essence of Jesus Christ himself. And so you need to take the scripture over your oral tradition, over what you believe is correct. And you need to look at it through God's word. And you need to verify what we're saying here tonight through God's word. Study it through the scripture. It's so important. And so that's our prayer. And we just want to encourage you to stand up for your faith um, and uh, live out your faith in righteousness by knowing the word of God, but also knowing something very important, knowing the power of God, the supernatural aspect of God, that he can transform your life and he can renew your heart and change your mind. And that's the most amazing thing that God can do is because he is is absolute. He is supernatural um, in his abilities to transform lives through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. As we end off here, we just want to remind you that, you know, the purpose of these Friday night uh, about Prophecy Current Events updates um, is to just encourage you as a believer, you know, because we're all facing difficult things. This world is getting crazier by the day. I mean, uh, just seeing the articles coming out there of, you know, people not believing in, you know, um, uh, genders as we know it, you know, you can assign gender and you can do this and that. And it, it's just insane what we're seeing. But uh, we can filter everything we're seeing through the lens of scripture, right? Just like Brother Stefan is saying, we should be in our scripture daily um, in a time when people reading scriptures is becoming more and more rare. We need to read this so we don't get deceived. Um, so as we read scripture, we filter the news events through the lens of Bible prophecy and what the Bible says, we see that it should encourage us. This news shouldn't scare us or get us depressed to show us that, hey, Jesus is coming as he says he is. The Bible, what it says about the last days, is being set up, just like he said, so we have confidence in the trustworthiness of his word, confidence in his promises that he's coming for us. And I just want to share First uh, John 3, 2, 3. This is a great verse concerning the revealing of the Lord and how the knowledge of his revealing, the knowledge of his coming should purify us, right? So about prophecy, rightly taught and rightly understood, should not just encourage us, but it should prompt us to live holy lives as we have for the Lord right now. Um, so 1 John 3, verse 2 to 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, 
It has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed in the rapture, we'll see him when he's revealed in the rapture, we shall be like him. So John there, he's talking about the glorification of the believer. Uh, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, and this hope he's talking about is the revealing of the Lord and our glorification, which is the rapture. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So again, there's this idea that Bible prophecy here, you know, that the purpose of it is to encourage us and it's to allow us um, and conform us to the image of Christ, allow us to live holier lives to the Lord. And then for non-believers who are listening, uh, we talk about these things to point you to Christ, point to the gospel, that these things are real. You know, Brother Stefan and I, we, we do Saturday apologetics uh, every every now and then. And what we do the apologetics for is show you that, hey, scripture is credible. It's historically reliable. Jesus Christ is a real person. We just got done talking about those topics. We just talked about um, the reliability, that the fact that Jesus Christ was a real human being that walked the earth and that he was crucified, he was actually buried. And there's actual legitimate reasons to believe in his resurrection as well. And if we can believe in those things that are prophesied, we can also believe in these things that are yet to come that are also prophesied. And that means we can also believe in what Jesus, the Bible has to say concerning the nature of man, right? That we're sinful. That there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. That Jesus Christ died for our sins. And we have to believe in him uh, yes. to have that everlasting life. Uh, so we share this news because we don't want you to go through tribulation. But even worse, we don't want you to die in your sins and be in the lake of fire for all eternity. So our encouragement to you, if you haven't trusted in the Lord, is to also believe in the gospel. Place your trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, because today's the day of salvation, right? Not not tomorrow. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Uh, so that's our encouragement to you tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, that is it for a, uh, another edition here on Friday Night Prophecy. And uh, we will see you next week at the same time for Friday Night Prophecy. Um, and uh, we just want to thank you so much. You'll be able to listen to the replay of this on the podcast form, or you can watch it again here on Instagram. We do save the lives. Thank you so much. Uh, follow Jesus. Uh, and uh, please search the scriptures to see what we're saying is the truth. God bless you all, and good night. Have a good night, guys.